Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. AWeber, simpler email marketing. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com. 
Nutrition.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Goldries, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, my pleasure. So, uh, you know, I, I came across you by way of, of a rather circuitous path trying to get to somebody at uh, the company you work at, Soul Pancake, which, you know, for those of you guys listening, if you've seen the Kid President videos or, or any of the things that Soul Pancake does, it's just amazing, beautiful, creative and inspiring work. And you know, I was so intrigued by by what's going on there, just because I feel like we have very similar uh, mission uh, and values uh, here at Unmistakable Media. And so, uh, on that note, uh, can you tell us a, a bit about yourself, your background, your story, your journey, and how that has led you to what sounds like the coolest job in the world? <laughs> Certainly. Uh, so I actually grew up, uh, most of my life was spent in New Zealand, which is far from where I was born, which is Iran. Um, but my parents, uh, when I was only six months old, we decided to leave Iran and they were really ultimately looking for a, the way they describe it as a clean, green, nuclear free country. <laughs> that was their, um, that was their list of what they were after for their family. And so we ended up in New Zealand and, um, that's where, you know, I, I did all my schooling and, I, you know, pursued a bachelor's degree in English. I love to read and I just thought, well, that's what you do when you go to college. You just figure whatever subject doesn't sound like the most torturous and that's what you dive into. Um, and then I ended up actually getting my master's in publishing and editing because I had this kind of, um, idea that, you know, I would love to edit children's books one day. And then once I got my master's degree and I realized what a lonely job it is to be an editor and how much I love being around people and uh, interacting with human beings, <laughs> I realized maybe that wasn't the right course for me. But looking back now, it makes so much sense. Every one of those little decisions and how it led me to here. Um, when uh, in 2007, I believe it was, I landed in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, of all places, um, due to a failed relationship. <laughs> And uh, and decided to go work in marketing for touring Broadway shows, which was actually amazing because I love Broadway and I got to go see incredible theater and um, dive into the world of marketing. And, you know, social media was just starting to become a really, really huge thing. And people were, take, you know, turning away from traditional print advertising and radio and looking into really creative ways to get people's attention and to advertise. So uh, while I was working at the Tennessee Performing Arts Center, I met my... Um, my uh, now husband, Devin, who is one of the creators of Soul Pancake. Uh, so Devin and Rain in 2007, uh, Rain Wilson was getting quite a lot of notoriety for his role as Dwight on The Office. And he decided he really wanted to do something that, you know, had a positive shift in the world. And, and when he was in his 20s, he remembers really wrestling with the questions around like creativity and philosophy and spirituality. And, you know, these, these questions that we often think about late into the night, but we don't always have a place to voice them or to have dialogue around them. So he he teamed up with Devin, who's a web developer, and said, listen, I want to create a place online where people can really chew on life's big questions. They can ask these questions to each other. They can understand different perspectives. And, you know, in general, the internet at the time was a pretty crappy place. And he's like, I want to just create something where people can have positive, respectful discourse. So um, Devin jumped on board, and together they created soulpancake.com. And when uh, they launched the site, uh, that's 
when, that's around the time that myself and Shabnam, who's now our CEO, jumped on board and helped starting, uh, helped create content for the website. We had this, it was a whole grand experiment and we were all keeping our day jobs, but sort of doing this thing on the side um, with this idea that, you know, we all wanted to have deeper, richer conversations with each other. Maybe, you know, maybe there was a thirst for that elsewhere. And we were really pleasantly surprised to find that we weren't the only ones. And in fact, there were many people who wanted to just talk about what it means to be a human and really understand each other's perspectives. And we were really surprised that the dialogue in those early days of the site was so respectful. Uh, people seemed to really care about each other's responses and listen and and share their own thoughts. But and the whole, you know, premise for the site was that we didn't have the answers. We just wanted to create a place for people to explore. Um, so that's where it all began for me. And after a while, my hobby became something that I ended up loving more than my day job. And so I quit um, my role as the marketing director at TPAC and and joined the Soul Pancake team, which, you know, at the time had no revenue model, no stability, no um, no paychecks, no <laughs> benefits. But it was super fulfilling to me and, and I think to the rest of our team. Um, so that's, that's kind of where it began for us. And since then, the last five and a half years have just been such an incredible journey that have now led us to this you know, very successful YouTube channel and creating shows uh, for a bunch of different platforms, including television. Um, so that's how I got to where I am today as the creative director of Soul Pancake. All right. So a lot of stuff there. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I want to go back to the very beginning of this story, uh, which I'm known to do. You said that when you got to college, you were an English major because it sounded like the least torturous thing to do uh, and the thing you enjoyed. And I don't think that's actually a common way of thinking about college. <laughs> um, I think that most people will make their decision based on what they think will get them a job. So I'm really curious, you know, what kind of an upbringing and what kind of life you had before that that would lead you to think and see the world in a way to make those kinds of decisions? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to my parents. Um, even though I, I feel like traditionally, you know, when you have Persian family or a lot of Middle Eastern families, there is a lot of pressure to, you know, succeed and do really well and like find, you know, a job and, and become the very best at it and make a lot of money and have a lot of nice things. But my parents really raised all of us, myself and my brother and sister, in a in in a very different mindset. And that was do what you love. And I think I really got to see both of my parents do that in their in their work and and in how they spent their time. And so while it, it may sound kind of naive and and a little bit just um, I don't know, not really grounded in the reality of like day to day and paying bills and and making sense of things. For me, it was the best guidance because I was always I always felt really empowered to just you know, be to go and spend my time learning and and investing and in, and in, and learning about stuff that I really really enjoyed and cared about. Um, so I guess that sort of sh it, it gave me a bit of a shortcut that I feel like a lot of other people have to sort of navigate around doing everything by the book and then realizing what they love. Yeah. Whereas for me, it was always like, what do I love, and let's start from there. Hmm. So actually, that takes me to the next question. Uh, so many of us are raised with the opposite cultural narrative. Uh, of doing what you love. And I'm really curious if we've been raised with the opposite narrative. Like you said, we get this roundabout way of getting there. I mean, how do we overcome being brought up with that narrative? 
I think that, um, you know, there's parts of that narrative which are also really awesome. Like, I think the striving for excellence in everything you do, working really hard, being determined, persevering, not giving up. I mean, there's also parts of that narrative that I wouldn't just completely discard. But I think it's about distilling down to finding what it is that you were you who you and you're unique and you're here and there's only one you were put on the on the earth to do and um that also may sound kind of cliche but i really feel like all of us have this inner compass and an inner voice that tells us like who we are what we love and what our gift is to the world that we we are the that we uniquely can offer and i really think you have to kind of get away from all the other voices in your head and try to distill down to what that is and pay attention to it you know, that's interesting you say that, that, uh, you know, you shouldn't write off the narrative entirely because I have a friend who, who said, you know, you may complain about the way you were raised at times, she said, but you've also got a drive that's allowed you to make this work that probably has come from that cultural narrative. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, while my parents did say do what you love, they also made me stick things out. You know, mm-hmm. so when I didn't want to do violin lessons anymore, that wasn't an option to just bail on that. I mean, they always, you know, pushed me to really overcome obstacles and try and do the stuff I didn't love to do because that's part of life too. But really, at the end of the day, I remember having that conversation with my dad about college and university, which is what we call it in New Zealand, and what I, what studies I was going to take. And my dad just saying, you know, what are the subjects you really enjoy? Like you're going to go to school and you're going to spend a lot of time there. Study the things you love. Mm-hmm. Well, talk to me about your time uh, working a- as an editor uh, and a publisher and, and, you know, kind of some of the lessons that have come from that that have influenced the way you work today. Sure. I mean, I think one of the great, um, you know, one of the great things that I can bring from my background and training as an editor into what I do today in the day to day is that. Ultimately, I think being an editor means being a great storyteller and whittling away at the stuff that doesn't really matter or the stuff that doesn't really um, affect the story in in big ways and getting down to the heart of the matter and the heart of the story. And I think that with our day-to-day now at Soul Pancake as the creative director, mostly what I'm doing is fashioning and forming and formatting shows and series ideas for Soul Pancake or for brands or for other people that want to partner with Soul Pancake. So it's still a form of storytelling. And I think that with Every uh, different concept that we tackle, I'm always looking for what is the best angle, what is the story, what is the hook, what is the thing that other people are going to watch from this and connect to. Um, so I think that that element of, of editorial is definitely finding its way through my work today. Hmm. So I love that you brought up that thing that other people connect to uh, because I feel like it's such an essential part of making any sort of art. In fact, I have a, a post on Medium titled The Limitless uh, Power of making art that connects with people. And I'm really interested in how we find that thing that people connect to in our own work. I mean, through your own journey and through your own experiences, uh, through the people you've worked at. I mean, how do people find that? Yeah, that's, that's such a, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I have the answer to that. It's some part mysterious and I'm sure some part science, but what I, when I know we've hit it is when I'm watching content or experiencing something it doesn't it's not necessarily soul pancake it's it's other things in the world as well but there's this feeling of unity you suddenly get like you may be at a concert with a you know a thousand people that you've never seen before in your life all from disparate walks and backgrounds but you're all experiencing the same music and there's a moment where you just feel so connected to everyone in the room and so connected in that appreciation of where you are and what you're doing and it kind of just gives I mean it gives me the chills I don't know and I've experienced it like on the top of a mountaintop I've 
experienced it in, in quiet places, I've experienced it in libraries, but it's just that moment of feeling really connected to the humans around me. And when I'm making content for Soul Pancake or when I'm guiding and shaping content for Soul Pancake, that's constantly what I'm thinking is how can I use this as a conduit for unity, as someone else watching it and relating in some small way. Because we all do come from this like, you know, wealth of different backgrounds, but there is this essential humanity. We're all humans. We're all wrestling with this question of what's going to happen when I die and what is the point and is there really, like, am I really unique and is there really an original idea and all of these things that, you know, we're all considering and thinking about and laboring and working towards, like, that is what binds us. All of these questions is what binds us. So I think that for me, it's just this sense of, like, connection to the people around me and a connection to something really relatable in whatever it is that I'm digesting. Wow. I, I love that for so many reasons because it's not a tactical roadmap. It's very intuitive. And uh, it's something I think that's inherently built into all of us. It's just something that we forget as we've grown up. Totally. And, you know, there are days where I wish it was tactical because you know, <laughs> we'll get calls from brands or call, you know, people that just want to like make something that feels like this X piece that we made. And unfortunately, I can't just tell them, okay, the formula is get a charismatic kid from Tennessee, add, you know, two parts of an amazing script, and then throw in some incredible music and some good color. And boom, there you have, you know, a viral video that's going to affect hearts and minds. Right. So it's unfortunately, it isn't that tactical there. You know, there is a lot that we do because I think you know, in terms of uh, the aesthetic, it, it really counts. And I think music can have a huge, you know, incredible emotional, um, you know, shift in, in how people's perceptions. But, but yeah, a lot of it is just intuition and instinct and, and listening to that as well. You know, you just said something there that uh, really kind of struck a chord with me. Uh, speaking of one of those moments of connection, you said, make a viral video that touches hearts and minds. <laughs> and I think for me, when I sit down to do anything, the question that I keep coming back to is how am I going to create something that touches somebody's heart? Mm. Yeah, I think that if that's where you're starting from, then that's the best. I really think that's the best place to start from. You know, I think that in our world, it's so easy to be a little bit cynical. I think it is kind of just the default. Like we make, uh, we make these decisions just based on, okay, what else is everyone else doing? Okay, they seem to appeal to that. Okay, well, lowest common denominator. And I'll tell you, like even a Soul Pancake, we've been laughed out of many network meetings where, you know, we've pitched an idea for a TV show and we're straight up told like that's too deep, that's too moving, that's too sweet that's too sensitive there's no there's not going to be an audience for that like what people want is just manufactured drama and violence and sex mm -hmm. and i just don't believe that like i really think that people are thirsty for meaningful content and I think that when you start with the heart and you are, you really access your humanity and you, you know, that's, you, you begin from that point of inspiration, you can create something that really leads to tangible real world action. There's something about that that people just can connect to. And beyond just consuming that content, they then feel this shift in their lives. They want to do something about it. They're inspired enough to turn that into action. This is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show because I knew you were going to say things like this. <laughs> basically telling you that you're doing everything right. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, we have such a similar mission and such similar values in what we want to do because, I mean, you know, my, my whole thing with Unmistakable Media is, is creating content that causes people's lives to change and behavior to change in meaningful ways. Uh, while the rest of the media leads with sort of this, if it bleeds, it leads idea, I want to create media that's positive. 
I, and I, kudos to you because I really think that there is an absolute thirst for that. And I think that the people that need it will find it and then share it. And then it, in, in itself, it's becoming a movement. I mean, you know, when we're contacted by giant brands and they ask us like, how does, why, how is it that your content makes people feel enough to then go and take that and translate it into the real world action? We've had such powerful case studies of doing that with our content. And I, I really think that it's, it's exciting to me, but you know, I want to turn that into really positive action that people take on in, in bite-sized chunks maybe, but in their own lives. I don't necessarily want to translate that into buying the next, you know, soda drink. I want to translate that into someone spending more time with their kid mm. or, you know, stopping one career and starting another, which they've always dreamed of doing, like really taking those powerful shifts in their lives, which are trans- transformative. So let's talk about that in more detail, because I think that's one of the things that people listening are going to really want to take away. You said, you know, making changes in bite-sized chunks. How do we actually do that? Um, I think a really interesting case study for me was this show that we did, which was totally, I, I mean, when we first set out to do it, we actually got a bit of flack. It was called um, My Last Days. And it was it's pitch, it was pitched to us by a friend of ours who's a director by the name of Justin Baldoni. And he came, we were in the initial days of launching the, Soul, the YouTube uh, channel for Soul Pancake. And he said, listen, I want to make a show about young people who are faced with a terminal illness and are actually told like, this is your timeline. You are going to die in three to six months. So, you know, as soon as we heard the pitch, we're like, I don't know anyone else that's doing that. And you know what? Soul Pancake needs to do it because, any, you know, death is a part of being a human. And let's have this conversation. Let's create dialogue around this. So we set out to make this show and we knew it was going to be really hard. I mean, we are, we literally sent a camera crew and they were with these people in some of their final days and engaging with them and their family members and their loved ones. But as we came back and edited up the footage for the first episode, which was on a young man, he was in his early 30s with two beautiful children and a wife who was... um who had cancer and had weeks left to live. His name was Ryan Woods. And what we realized as we were formatting together this pilot episode was the way Ryan was living and the way that he was utilizing his last moments here was so powerful, so courageous, so much about his community. All he wanted to do, his whole desire was to build a sense of neighborhood and community. So him and his wife started having dinners with their next door neighbors and and really just creating this culture of community in their neighborhood. And, and what we realized is we weren't making a show about people dying we were making a show about how to live and when that show aired the number of responses to this day that we get from people who have been in, you know completely inspired by Ryan's story and are doing acts of community in his name and it could be something small it's like they've started you know a, a mom's club every Monday where all the moms of the neighborhood get together and you know have a time out together or other little activities it's nothing huge they're not you know shifting things on a political level but what they're doing in their communities was inspired by this one piece of content so to me that's like this bite-sized takeaway that they were able to instantly start practicing in their own day-to-day hmm. you, uh, let me ask you one more question you mentioned your time on uh you know marketing broadway musicals and you also mentioned the power of music uh in you know creating content talk to me about how your experience with music uh has shaped and, uh, you know, change the way you view the world and, and shapes your role as a creative director. Sure. I think music is, you know, I do think it's kind of a universal language. I think that it is also 
um, something that can be used for manipulation, but we like to use it for manipulation for good. Mm. Um, it's amazing when you watch something that is, you know, and you're incredibly moved by it. And then if you watch the same piece of content and turn off the sound, you may have a different response. And I think it, I just think music has this incredible power to sort of go beyond just what you're thinking and make you really feel and, and deliver an emotion. So it is absolutely something that we consider with every piece of soul pancake content. And we make some really, um, some, you know, well thought out choices over which music that, that we're going to be using. Uh, but to me, it once again goes back to the sort of humanity question where no matter where you're raised or where you're from or what, you know, what background you've had, this music has this ability to overcome a lot of those differences and, and to connect people. And I just, I think music does have this connection to our souls, honestly. And that's where it's really, really powerful. You know, I think my favorite thing that you said in all of that was that music is this universal language uh, that connects us. That is such a beautiful way of looking at it. And I'd never seen it that way before. I think that with art as well and, and music and, um, and art, if you look at soul pancake content, you notice that a lot of times when we do our street stunts, we use a giant larger than life prop. One time mm-hmm. we built like a 10 foot Polaroid and another time we built a huge, like a giant ball pit that we invited adults into to make friends, two strangers. So every time we really do, when, whenever we have a street stunt, we really think about the art. And I really think that that is another thing that is a universal language that also breaks down barriers to conversation as soon as you disarm someone with that um with that creativity and the art and the intent you put into those aspects i feel like guards come down and people are more willing to connect and more willing to step out of their comfort zones so yeah absolutely both music and art are two things that in my role i'm constantly um thinking about and really putting a lot of intention around you know you're full of like these just poetic sound bites uh you know universal uh, you know, language that breaks down barriers between communication. That's genius. Uh, I'll have to go back and I don't even know if I repeated that properly, but <laughs> it, it just, I mean, there's so many brilliant nuggets here. So, you know, I want to ask you one more thing, uh, specifically about your story and your journey before we start getting really into the next piece of this, which is actually the work at soul pancake and the creative process. Um, you know, one of the things that you said is that, you know, you guys were doing this alongside a day job and then you just leaped with, you know, no sense of what a revenue model was going to be, no business model, uh, but you went for it. And there's two questions that uh, come for me from that. Do you think that's something that's inherently built into people? Uh, And if they don't have that built in, is it a capacity that they can cultivate? Mm -hmm. And do you think there's something that differentiates the people who would make that leap and the ones who don't? That's interesting. I don't know that it's inherently built into everyone. And if it is, I think that for a lot of people that may be masked or veiled with a lot of other um, misgivings and fears, I still vividly remember a conversation I had with a dear friend of mine when I told her that I'd left my uh, salary job to go work for Soul Pancake, which, you know, everyone was still like, Soul what? (laughs) So, and she was kind of angry with me. Um, She was, you know, sitting the bar exam and she's now an incredibly successful lawyer. But I remember her kind of having this more accusatory tone as she talked to me about, you know, kind of how dare I, like I was being irresponsible. I wasn't thinking about my future. Like this just seemed really immature. And I walked away from that conversation, but I didn't actually, what I really felt was more a sense of her 
um, feeling like I wasn't doing it the right way. And by doing it differently, I was maybe putting her uh, decisions, casting a questionable light around her decisions, you know? So I, I actually think it was so much less about what I was doing because it's not like she relied on my income or benefits. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just more casting this like doubt over the choices she had made and whether she was doing things following, you know, from a place of like heart first. Um so I don't know. I don't know if it is intrinsic to everyone or if it is just something that uh, you kind of have to dig a little to get to. I know that for me, I, I do have, and you know, they call it like this Pollyanna approach where I always feel like everything is going to be okay. Mm. So I don't know where that comes from, if that's just upbringing or nurture or nature. Um, I really don't know. And now that I have kids of my own, I'm really curious to see like how each of their personalities develops because I'm so curious to see if I'm informing that or if it is just of them. Uh-huh. But I've always kind of felt that no matter what sort of crap life throws at me, I'm going to be okay. So with the leap to leaving my job and starting with Soul Pancake full time, I remember kind of thinking like, you know what, if this doesn't work out, like I had a really good time trying it out and I'll find something else. So it never felt, I didn't ever have a whole lot of hangups and fear around it, which when I talk to a lot of my friends who are maybe considering, you know, pivoting or changing careers, there's definitely, um, there's definitely a lot of fear that's miring them down. Mm. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. AWeber, simpler email marketing. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go sell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So I'll ask you one question about the fear, but uh, you know, I want to comment on you know what you said about your friend. Somebody a long time ago, I don't remember who it was, maybe a life coach of some sort, said, you know, one of the things that challenges people when you start making changes in your life to improve it you'll get resistance from them. And he said, and often it's because of their own issues because they're seeing that you're doing something. Uh, and they're choosing not to. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's really what I felt. I mean, I know that it came also from care and concern and love from my friend. Mm. But I also, moreover, just because it was such a visceral response and so sort of reactionary that I felt it did feel like I was suddenly um, maybe casting, yeah, this just uh, sense on them that the, what they were doing, the choices that they were making were not also born of that same intent. Um, so I don't know. It's a, It's an interesting... And it's an interesting perspective. And I remember when I talked to my parents about what I was doing and they were nothing but supportive, but also, you know, they asked me the real questions of like, well, how are you going to pay your bills and how are you going to keep this up? And I had also set myself up to be able to take this opportunity. So I had saved and, you know, I wasn't just being, I wasn't completely just throwing caution to the wind and, you know, just like figuring it out day by day. Like I had put, put steps in motion so that I could take an opportunity like this and try it out for a, a minute. Um, and I think that's part of it too, is just always, um, sort of taking care of yourself first so that you can take a step like this. And it isn't entirely putting everything that you have on the line. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned this idea of being mired in fear, uh, you know, when people are trying to make pivots. I mean, a lot of people listening to this probably are in some of those phases where they're looking at pivots. I mean, that's often why they listen. How do you get over the fear? Um, you know, that's interesting because I don't, I don't think it's something that's like a before and after switch. Like yeah. I was scared and then I wasn't. <laughs> and there are still days. I mean, even with my work today, like, you know, I'm, I'm a full-time creative director at this company that I grew and built and love. Like I'd call it my first baby. But, you know, I have these two other sons and they're little. One's two and a half and the other one's eight months old. And there are days where I wake up and I wonder if I'm doing the right thing by being a working mom and leaving them in the hands of someone else for the majority of the day. And so that fear thing that I think that's always a part of every decision we make. And I don't I kind of like that it makes us reassess every step. Because otherwise, I feel like I would maybe get a bit complacent or miss out or get to a point where I forgot why I made the decisions I did. So I think a little bit of fear along the way is actually really good for us. Mm -hmm. I think the fear that you have to get past is that kind of immobilizing, paralyzing, paralyzing fear. And to that, I just feel like, you know, you have to have some a little bit of faith in yourself and your idea and this this passion that you want to pursue. And also a sense of forgiveness. Like I my brother-in-law, he's, you know, right now pursuing music and he's incredibly talented. He could do anything in the world. But when I asked him, like, okay, so you're gonna give up a year of your life and really try going down the road of like getting a band together and put, doing open mics. And because, you know, I have a lot of musician friends and I know that road is really hard and long. And he said, if I don't give it this year, then and I'm always going to look back at my life and wonder, like, what would have happened? Like, could I have done it? Like, was that an opportunity that I missed? Mm -hmm. So I think also sort of seeing the end in the beginning a little and realizing that if, yes, the fear today might be pivoting or starting this new thing or building this new company, but what about the fear of, you know, 20 years from now when you look back and you wonder why you never took that leap or what could have happened? And I just never, I've never wanted to live that kind of life. So um, I think that I'm more for seizing it and trying it out and then course correcting mm -hmm. rather than looking back and feeling like I just played it really safe. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because I've often found when I'm scared to do something, usually once I take the first step and I'm already, you know, kind of too far down the road to turn back, the fear kind of takes care of itself. Yeah, I I, def I mean, I still I do a lot of uh, speaking engagements for Soul Pancake, and I still get nervous standing up in front of these crowds. Often they're filled with very successful, you know, very well trained, incredible minds. And I'm often feeling like I don't have a lot to share. Mm -hmm. But it's like, 
And so I'm nervous up until the point where I'm at the podium and the microphone's on and I start talking and then it's just, you don't, there's no time to be scared anymore and you just have to do your best. And I kind of think that's what the, in my life, like that's what happens with fear is like, and what you're saying, once you take that step, there's no time anymore to just keep being scared. You just kind of have to like now get to work. Mm -hmm. Well, let's do this. Um, Speaking of getting to work, let's shift gears a little bit and let's start talking about the work that you guys produce. Uh, you know, I guess where I want to start with that is, is, you know, what is the creative process for the stuff you guys produce look like? I mean, where does this all come from? You mentioned people pitching shows to you guys. I'd love to hear about that in more detail. I mean, how does something like Kid President come to life? Sure. So when we launched um, our YouTube channel, it was just on the heels, actually, of doing a series of uh, short interstitials for the Oprah Winfrey Network. So it was amazing when we uh, first, you know, like I was saying, we came up with a website. And then a, a year later, we were offered book deals. And we uh, wrote a book, um, Rain and Devon, Shabnam and myself, called Soul Pancake, Chew on Life's Big Questions. And it's kind of a part workbook, part art book. Uh, It's not really a a book you read like start to finish, but it has essays from notable people in it, a great introduction from Rain about why he began this company. And that book got in the hands of Oprah. And then she reached out to us and said, listen, what would it look like for Soul Pancake, what I see on the web and in this book to be turned into actual video content? So, you know, none of us really had a background in film production. Uh, Devin had taken some classes here and there. And of course, Rain's an actor, but this side of actually like producing, you know, something for television and what would Soul Pancake look like in this platform was very new to all of us. Uh, but no one is going to say no to Oprah and certainly not us. So <laughs> we um, we dove in and we made, I believe, 12 little shorts. So if you look at the Soul Pancake street stunts where we go out on the streets of L.A. Uh, with these various large props and encourage people to engage with them in interesting ways, uh, that's where those were all born out of the Oprah Winfrey uh, interstitials. And and doing that basically gave us, um, it was like film boot camp. And we learned like, oh, that's what a gaffer does and that's what a best boy is. And and this is how you, you know, permits and all of the things that you need to know to uh, to create. And that was that was a great foundation for us. And when we were offered the YouTube deal, where YouTube basically um, asked us to become a partner that made uh, original content on YouTube exclusively and then paid us a sum of money to make that content, it just gave us this amazing opportunity to be so experimental and make the stuff what we call it is make stuff that matters. Mm -hmm. So that's where, you know, we invited our friends and directors and filmmakers um, to contact Soul Pancake and pitch us their ideas of stuff they've always wanted to make but never found a home for. And that's where, you know, My Last Days was born out of and a few other shows that have been really successful on Soul Pancake. Now, Kid President, we were about three months into our YouTube deal and our channel manager at the time, Bobby Miller, um, saw this video, was posted on his friend's Facebook feed and it was this adorable Kid President President, and I believe he'd done an interview with the Adventure Time creator Penn Ward. And it had had, it was a video, it had like 2,000 hits, and he shared it with the rest of the Soul Pancake team. And the second we saw it, there was just such alignment between obviously what this kid president, um, you know, show was trying to do and what Soul Pancake was all about. So we reached out to the creator of the show, who's, uh, whose name is Brad Montague, and he lives in this tiny little town in Tennessee. And he was making these little videos with his brother in law, Robbie. So, kid president, the kid in the series. His name's Robbie Novak. Mm -hmm. And he and his brother-in-law were making these in the back bedroom of their house just for fun. And so, so Pancake reached out and, you know, we just expressed our love for them. And basically we said, listen, if we pay you guys a little bit of money, will you create content for our channel? We really believe like we can get you guys a bigger audience. 
So they were really excited to collaborate, and that's where the partnership kind of kicked off. And a few months later, um, you know, that same channel manager, Bobby, was, you know, looking at sort of the roster of what was happening in the world, and he said, wouldn't it be fun to, to do a pep talk and uh, for Kid President to do a pep talk? And so Brad ran with that creative seed and did Kid President's pep talk to the world. Um, it was just before the Super Bowl. And that video, I think right now, has something like 30 31 million views so that just propelled you know this kid president brand into into um everyone's uh you know into the front of everyone's minds and it's really it's been an amazing journey with them ever since i mean they continue to make the most positive uplifting content that really activates people and empowers and i love brad's approach because he's always been passionate about kids helping adults help make the world better and so he really believes that kids have a lot to say and that adults a lot of times just kind of need to listen and and pay attention and actually understand that kids are seeing and observing and have really good ways of um you know, resolving a lot of issues in the world. And he just wants to bring voice to that. So uh, that's how that partnership began. And it's still going strong. We just wrapped um, an eight episode series for Discovery's network, The Hub. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's a a kid's show hosted by Kid President. And everyone is around based on a different theme. Uh, But when I, I mean, I watched it with my sons and my family. And I just was really excited to see TV content that was actually empowering kids and also really um, giving them the tools that they in their own communities and their own lives could feel like mini um, activists towards this like idea of a joyful rebellion. Uh, so that's how Kid President came to play. Now, in general, the ideas at Soul Pancake, like, uh, even though my title is creative director, we all wear so many hats and it is a team of people coming up with ideas in all realities. So we have giant, when I say giant, we're a 14 person team, but we have our team brainstorms and everyone, even our interns are, you know, given the opportunity to come up with ideas, um, right up to our CEO and Rain, who's still a very present co-founder, um, is still always got his finger on the pulse of what's happening at Soul Pancake. So it is definitely, uh, a, a consultative kind of approach towards our idea generating Mm -hmm. and I really think that's where the magic happens because you know someone will offer up a seed and then someone will put another angle on that and then we'll hear another perspective and then we come up with the gems so two questions uh, from all of that one when you work with people when you collaborate with people what do you look for look for in them personally I think what's really important for us at Soul Pancake is at the end of the day, we're not just a production company or just a media company. We really do have a mission. Um, I like the term that people are throwing around these days called not just for profit because I really think that's the seed of Soul Pancake. Like we didn't start as a nonprofit because we, we did believe like we wanted this to be a sustaining, you know, and have a business model around it. But at the end of the day, there's a mission to Soul Pancake, and that is really getting people to explore the human existence and to um, live richer, fuller, happier, more fulfilled lives. So when I look at other creators and when they pitch to us, I think first and foremost, I want to see that they get that, that that's not something I have to kind of sell them on, that they already intrinsically feel that way, and that they they are passionate about telling a story around that theme too. So there is definitely a sense of sort of comradeship, like people come to Soul Pancake and they know that they're in like familiar friendly waters and I think a lot of time in the entertainment industry if you're trying to do something positive and uplifting and good you can be somewhat alienated and and so I think a lot of times those filmmakers that are really trying to do more with their craft feel like they find a home in Soul Pancake and we're encouraged to see that there are so many creators out there that have the same vantage point that we have. 
You know, the other thing you brought up was making stuff that matters. And I mean, you guys are able to do such profound work. And yet, you know, I see so many creators, even with all the resources we have and limited budgets, I've seen a lot of people do some pretty amazing things. I'm really curious what your thoughts are in making stuff that matters when you're extremely resource constrained. I think that, um, you know, right now we're in this amazing sort of juncture where people are really forgiving in a sense of the production value of what you create because they understand like everyone's got their phones and they're making content, you know, with their iPad or what have you. And so there's a little bit more forgiveness around the, the quality maybe, but the content there's no forgiveness. Like it has to be good. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, in the beginning, we were really strapped for resources. When we first started, we, um, yeah, I mean, it's expensive. Like doing it right is expensive and, and having all of the right people on hand. And that's why, you know, we wore a lot of hats and we did all nighters and we made the props ourselves with our own hands because we couldn't afford to like get it manufactured in a beautiful prop house. But there's also something incredibly, um, exciting about that because he really forces you to get creative mm -hmm. you know and I, I kind of um there are days now where you know we have some more resources at our fingertips and we have these bigger crews but i kind of have a nostalgia for the good old days where it was just me and shabs and devon kind of sitting around trying to figure like how on earth we're going to pull this off because i think it forced us to be a lot more creative and to really think outside the box and think outside of just how it's done to like, okay, well, this is all we have. So how can we do it? Mm -hmm. And there was also maybe because of the nature of the type of content we're creating, what we realized is people really resonated with the fact that it was, it felt like someone's hands had made this. Someone had really poured a lot of love and heart into this and it wasn't slick and polished. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's the reason we never really use actors. We're always using people off the street because there's some sincerity to that when I don't tell you what to say, but it's just what you are moved to say on the spot when I hold a microphone up to you. Like there is, there's a genuine um, sincerity that is just so much more, I think connects to someone's heart much more than anything slick and scripted and polished. So, you know, now when we have more resources, we're, at, we're, you know, putting them in places like, you know, we are spending more on getting things colored and mixed and, you know, making it really sing and making it really beautiful. But we're still not going so far with that pendulum that it starts making people feel like they can access our content. We, we don't want it to feel like a commercial. We want it to feel like this could happen on your street corner in your home. Like that's how relatable we want it to be. And a level of DIY kind of low fineness, mm -hmm. I think, helps engender that. Well, every, every time I see that, I'm like, I hope that happens on my street corner in my hometown. <laughs> yeah, we get some very sweet emails from people saying, like, bring your big ball pit here. And I'm like, if only you knew how much, it, how many balls I would have to carry to the middle of America. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think you brought up a very, very critical point uh, of being, you know, very, very creative when you're resource constrained. It's, it's when your back is up against the wall, often you end up becoming the most resourceful because you really don't have a choice. I mean, I learned that, you know, this year when we did our event, the instigator experience, every time I would go and look at the budget, I would freak out because anything I wanted to do wasn't in the budget. And then I would have to literally find all sorts of bizarre ways to do whatever I wanted to do. Yeah, totally. And I think out of that, I there, yeah, there's so you're pushed creatively to really, um, you know, to still make what you want, bring it to life. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, I think it's a, that's a fun challenge. And I think sometimes you end up with a better, better end 
product than had you just had all the resources and you just did it by the book. And this, this is just something special, I think, to being somewhat limited. And I think limits in general, like time limits and limits on, you know, um, how much money you have or how many people you can reach. It just, I think it forces you to kind of distill and focus mm -hmm. and create the best with what you've got. Um, and it's, it's funny actually, because one of the, the, the examples in my life that actually has nothing to do with my work about this is my is my wedding. Um, when Devin and I finally got married, you know, we're both working for Soul Pancake, and like I mentioned, didn't really have this revenue model, so there's not a lot of money that was flowing through our bank accounts, and yet we wanted to throw this amazing wedding for all our family and friends, and we did it on a dime. And that wedding video ended up our wedding video ended up going viral and featured on Etsy as this you know lo-fi DIY wedding, and so many of the um, so many people that contact me to this day are asking me questions about how we pulled off our wedding. <laughs> but I had my mom make my dress and she made baklava for like 200 people. And, you know, the place that we rented out was this kind of ramshackle old warehouse. But And our friends, every single one of them pitched in to help us decorate. And we stacked up, you know, $20 vintage TVs we found at the Goodwill. And that was our de decoration. And, you know, so we just got really zany about it all. And yeah. that's what made it so memorable and such a sweet experience that was just flooded with us because we didn't have the money for you know the most expensive flowers or the most expensive food and yet still to me we pulled off the wedding of my dreams so I think there's a lot you can do when you're willing to like you know really push yourself creatively hmm. I love that let's do this uh, before we wrap things up let's shift gears a little bit and let's get into this idea of chewing on life's big questions yeah Let's, what are, let's do it. <laughs> so, so what are some of those questions that really have driven you guys and, and drive you? I mean, I have the book sitting on my desk, but I think yeah. for our listeners, it'd be a really interesting discussion to talk about some of those things. I mean, there's so many, right? I, I think we flooded the book with a lot of questions. And to this day, you know, I'm still wrestling with a lot of them. And it's so fun. I think it's really what's fascinating about life is you think you have an answer and then you have an experience in your life and suddenly that answer is flipped on its head and you're like, wait a second, maybe that's not the answer to this question. Um, and, and interestingly, like there's right now, I think the biggest question that sort of I'm wrestling with personally and that's keeping me up late at night is really the balance of it all. So how in this in this in these lives that we create and especially in in this in the culture here in North America where you know we're all working incredibly hard and there is a lot of noise and how to stand out above the noise and how to you know um, have it all and be all of the things I think for me what I'm I'm constantly questioning is is the balance is finding what that balance is between yes pursuing your career and being the you know doing what you want to do and doing what you love and and you know doing something you're proud of but at the same time not losing sight of the rest of living, which is, you know, being with your loved ones and experiencing nature and traveling and being quiet and being reflective. And I think that, you know, several hundreds of years ago, we had more time for like quiet reflection and contemplation and even just consideration of how things worked and how the world worked. And now with our devices at our fingertips, I mean, it's just like the running joke is like, how does this work? Or what do you do? And everyone like looks at Google or looks at their phone because there's no contemplation anymore we're not considering how things work or how people work and and I say that one of my favorite hobbies is people watching but not the creepy kind mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is like I really enjoy just going and being in like an airport or a coffee shop and just watching the world around me and 
just contemplating it a little bit. And I don't think that's something we make time for anymore. And I wonder about what that's doing in general to our health and to our mental well-being and to our relationships when you're never really taking time for introspection and reflection. Um, and I recently attended an amazing talk by Ariana Huffington, and she talked about how she meditates for 15 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. And it, for some reason, that really surprised me. And I think because she's such an accomplished woman, she does so much, and she's, you know, she has so many responsibilities, I couldn't believe she took out 15 minutes and then I listen to my internal dialogue and I'm <laughs> wait I'm surprised that she takes 15 minutes like that is shocking <laughs> that's nothing like in 24 hours 15 minutes is not that much time and yet she you know she puts that down to a lot of her success now is just taking that time to sort of center check in with herself and like be still for a moment and so you know what that is I, probably my big life's big question right now is what is that balance and how to find that time for reflection and introspection Funny that you know we're talking to somebody who's a creative director at a you know media company that gets viewed by millions of people, and that's one of your big questions: <laughs> is are we online too much, and are we connected too much? But I, I, I you know, I, I relate uh, as somebody who spends an insane amount of time online, and my world is driven by this. Uh, I think that time is important. And what's funny is that when we take that time, I think it actually makes our work more creative. It makes our work more interesting. We, I think, we tap into something that we couldn't otherwise get without that quiet time. I totally agree. In fact, I was, um, Devin Shabs and I went up to Vancouver yesterday and met with Rain. It's the first time in a long time we've been able to have like a big sit down about the course of Soul Pancake and the future of our company. And midway through this big sort of, you know, it's a business meeting, you know, but we're in this, in this house and he, Rain's like, get up. He's like, I hate to be a kindergarten teacher right now, but everyone stand up. We're going to go for a walk. And we went and walked through the beautiful woods of North Vancouver. And one, I'm in love with Vancouver, but two, it just like, it changed the whole tone of our conversation and I felt like we suddenly were thinking bigger and less limited and just uh, the conversation was was sort of uh, flowing easier and I really think it was about kind of shaking ourselves up and going out into nature and just taking a moment to be in a different environment mm-hmm. um, and and so yeah it was really powerful I had a really powerful shift on even just the conversation we had so I agree with you I think that when you can take that moment it does definitely lace everything else that you do um, it, it just gives Gives it all more, and so I think it is important. Yeah, well, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I mean everybody knows Steve Jobs is famous for his walking meetings. Rumor has it Mark Zuckerberg does the same thing. It's like, well, you can't really argue with the results for how that stuff turned out. <laughs> it's true. They're, yeah, the case studies approved. There's yeah. something there. <laughs> so, well, you know, I, I want to ask you one final question, uh, and to hear your perspective on this should be fascinating. Uh, then this is how we close all our interviews at The Unmistakable Creative. As somebody who's created art that's touched the hearts of millions of people, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Mm. I should have prepped for this. (laughs) (laughs) Life's big questions, right? What makes something unmistakable? I think that when something is coming from authenticity, when you're creating from your blueprint, when it's genuine and sincere and true, I think that's what makes something unmistakable. Wow. Uh, well, Golris, uh let me say it has been my absolute pleasure to have you here as a guest on The Unmistakable Creative 
Uh, it's just been really, really eye-opening and insightful and just really fun to find out about how all that amazing content gets produced and to hear your story and, and how it's landed you where you're at. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I love this conversation. I'm always happy to have it. And thank you for having me. Yeah. And for those of you guys listening, uh, I will link up all of the things uh, that she's mentioned uh, throughout the episode because you have to see some of this content. If you have not seen it, it's so mind-blowingly cool that you will have a whole other addiction in addition to our show. And we'll wrap with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to The Unmistakable Creative. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World, and this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.